Hey guys, before we get started, we are doing a giveaway. During the pandemic, while Mariah and I were deciding to do a podcast about plane crashes, my dear friend and darling cousin uh, decided that they would make an entire game. Uh, if you like tabletop games, particularly if you've ever played Mafia and you enjoyed that, then you will definitely, definitely like this game. It's a retro horror game called The Vampire. You can find a link to the website and the Kickstarter in the bio of this episode. If you'd like to win a copy of the game or some other cool prizes, be sure to check out the Kickstarter, which is launching on October 31st, Halloween Day. To enter the giveaway, donate any amount to the Kickstarter starting on October 31st, Halloween Day, and send us a screenshot uh, showing us that you donated. Everyone who donates any amount will be entered to win. If for any reason you can't donate, that's absolutely fine. In order to enter, you can just uh, share the link to the Kickstarter on any social media and send us a screenshot of that. We're going to be giving away a few copies of the game. We're going to do our very, very best to get it to you no matter where you live in the world, uh, but Anybody listening to this can actually uh, download a printable version from the website, the-vampire.com, right now for free. Uh, but of course, you still want that sleek, shiny, uh, boxed version. Uh, if you donate $19 plus, I think, $5 shipping and live within the United States, you can actually get your own copy of the game. So if you donate this amount and send us a screenshot showing us that you did, then we will give you a different prize, which has not yet been determined, but that's a lot of money. So if you donate that amount, just send us a screenshot showing us that you did, and we will ask you what you want, basically. We'll work out a good prize. We've talked about doing t-shirts and little merch items if you donate that and if that's something you'd like then maybe you can be uh, the very first people to have a podcast t-shirt or something like that uh, yeah so we haven't decided yet and if you donate uh, $19 or more uh, not only will you get a copy of the game if you live in the U.S. Um, but you'll also get some other prize that you can help us figure out uh, so be sure to check that out thank you so much for being the very best people all right enjoy the episode Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're telling the story of Air Canada Flight 143. Thanks for listening. Super. Hi, Mariah. <laughs> Hi, Casey. Do we have to do the uh, go clap? Yeah. One, two, two three, three, go. go. <laughs> we'll see if Brian can make the heads or tails of that. <laughs> But I hope poor so. Brian, poor oh, sweet Brian, he's a saint. He just wants good audio, and we—he's a saint. It's there's no other way to put it. It is like he's... I feel like I wish we could give him the raw material he needs <laughs> to right. produce like, good audio. One day, one yeah. day, one day, sweet yeah. Brian, it'll happen. One day, maybe we'll record in the same room, and maybe that'll be better worse Who oh my say? goodness right <laughs> a, a whole as far as audio quality problems. it'll be better Everyone's like we're like, done listening <laughs> spiritually for me it'll be better but we'll see how yes. the audio changes um mm. yeah so 
Today, uh, we're telling a story. So nobody out there knows this, but like eight months ago, this is the only time this ever happened. I think Mariah and I like set up to record. Right. And then like two minutes in to trying to record Mariah, do you remember? I was just like, I can't do this. Like I I don't, I can't. And you were just so sweet about it because you're a wonderful person. (laughs) But (laughs) so this is that one. Cause even though I've like, I love this story. I just was like all the way to the back burner for you. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah. And today is the day. It happens. Come full circle. Today is the perfect day. It wouldn't have been right if you would have just kept going. And it's a good day to recycle material. Let's be real. <laughs> Amen. The brains need a little bit of compassion. Oh my gosh. I'm like sitting here staring at my Monstera that is just wilting. And I'm like, oh, oh. no. I know. Just because oh. I haven't even thought to water it. I'm just torturing oh, the poor sure. thing. She's fine. Oh, no. She'll be fine. But Oh, the plant babies. I can't even talk about it. We'll we'll talk. Right. The, it's, not a nice year. it's not a nice time of year for plants. To be able right. to own house plans. They're not happy at Gosh, this time No, they're not. No. <laughs> but, um, okay, Goodness. so we're going to go back briefly to 1975. Okay. And in 1975, right. Canada made one of the greatest mistakes it's ever made. And Canada has a long history, plenty of mistakes. Right. But in 1975, Canada abandoned beautiful elegant historic freedom units like pounds and inches to go over to filthy sterile boring (laughs) metric units now i think it's important to note that i don't think you agree with me i think like for all the listeners who are about to hang up forever mariah i'm pretty sure is pro metric i can't 100 pro metric i know and celsius too why don't you mariah (laughs) oh i will i will Uh, yeah oh it's two degrees what does that mean nothing (laughs) 10 centimeters there's 10 centimeters of snow it could mean anything it's cold it could mean anything two centimeters of snow could mean anything it could be up to your windows (laughs) it could be below ground no one knows so uh literally that's what we're gonna lose (laughs) listeners over but i don't care yeah this is my show fans who are like casey's the sweetest see this is this is what i know now they're like oh no she's american now it's like yeah i can't help it can't help it i like inches i like pounds i like miles i can't help it i like fahrenheit so yeah all right so canada i see see. canada abandoned america (laughs) and went with the rest of the world in 1975 and uh started using metric and this is a story about why that was a terrible move and there's like three people who know exactly what story i'm going to tell based on that alone but like and this story is dedicated to all of you even if you like metric which is fine i guess but it's just it's annoying so this is a story about why you should never switch and whatever you were born with you should just stick with (laughs) but no change ever no change standardized systems ever no improvements nothing None. zero I cubits i want to go back <laughs> okay so okay 1975 canada goes metric Ugh. 1983 <laughs> a beautiful new baby 767 is born a beautiful a 767 like a 
big nice Boeing plane like averages 270 seats they're they're nice aircraft I'm sure you've seen them you know yeah and a, a new one is brought into this world in 1983 and because Canada has gone metric this one is all metric <laughs> <laughs> unlike yes. Most of the other planes that were going around in North America at that time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this beautiful, modern, very European, very sleek, very, very standardized, very divisible by 10, <laughs> the 767 is born yes. and sold to Air Canada. Right. So mm. Air Canada gets a nice like fleet of these beautiful new 767s. They're so modern. They have like fully computerized panels, like fully electronic panels. And, you know, they're they're nice. They're brand new planes. Um, and so 1983, the plane is born, brought over to Air Canada. And on July 22nd, 1983, this brand new baby plane uh, is getting a checkup in edmonton Hmm. and oh no the fuel gauge the fqis system the fuel gauge one of them isn't working so uh there are two fuel gauges right on any given plane to make sure that they agree with each other right it's redundancy so you don't want one to be giving you one reading and the other to be giving you a different reading so one of them isn't working but the other one is so our nice uh, plane doctor, the technician or engineer, puts in the logbook. Hey, it's not working. And he flips the one that's not working off so that nobody gets confused, right? So m- m- notes it in the logbook, flips it off, goes to bed. He, his, that's it. That's all he does. <laughs> he goes home, I guess. Uh, <laughs> July 23rd, uh, Captain John... And Captain Donald, right? So they're both captains, but today they're flying together. Uh, John is the pilot in command, and uh, Donald is the first officer on this flight. Uh, Hop into this new, beautiful 767 uh, and check the logbook and see, oh, one of the fuel gauges isn't working. Uh, Now, they need two readings, no matter what. So uh, there's two pilots, which we're all really used to. But before this generation of brand new, beautiful 767s, this aircraft would have had three pilots. It would have had a first officer, a captain, and a flight engineer, right? So historically, this would have been the flight engineer's domain, right? Uh, But there's no more flight engineer, and the what used to be the flight engineer's job is split between the two pilots and the computers in the in the aircraft, right? So, okay, they need to get a second reading of how much fuel they're putting on the plane. And the way they do that is um, by using a drip stick. So basically, obviously, you would think somebody comes and fuels up the plane at the gate, and you would think that that would give you an accurate reading of how much fuel that is. But it It's not totally, you don't know exactly how much fuel was left in there the night before. And you really, really want a precise amount, right? So you want to not just see how much fuel you put in, but you want to see how much fuel actually is in those tanks, right? So in order to get that second fuel reading, they need to use a drip stick. And this is where math comes in. Uh, So (laughs) pilots care about weight on board a plane, right? 
it matters a lot to them how much the plane weighs and how that weight is distributed. Uh, but mm. the fuel truck drivers who bring the gas station to you are giving you fuel by volume. So volume mm. and weight are two different metrics by which to, by which to measure things. And we're using both. <laughs> so... Right. Uh, the dripstick, right, is is a dripstick like you have in your car, right? It's you you it tells you the level of the liquid that's in there. So using the dripstick, you get the number of centimeters of fuel that are in the tank. You need to transfer centimeters, a unit of volume, into liters, into kilos the measurement of weight right. that's what the pilots right. need they need the measurement of weight right so um like uh, it's so easy because it's metric whatever okay <laughs> so john and donald do the math they transfer centimeters to liters to kilos they get their number of how much fuel is supposed to be on the plane they look at the fuel gauge that's working the numbers match good to go fly from edmonton to montreal without incident no problem and uh, John and Donald are done. It was nice to meet them. They're off to do something else somewhere else. Okay, so they hop off the plane. Um, and our boys, Bob and Maurice, are going to actually take this plane now to, uh, from Montreal to Edmonton via Ottawa. Right? So lots of Canada in this whole story. <laughs> it's a very Canadian tale. <laughs> so uh, when the pilots are handing off the plane... Right. Uh, John tells Bob, like, hey, you know, just so you know, it's a little bit of a hassle. You have to do all this math. Uh, this, you know, one of the few FQIS systems isn't working. Um, you have to do the like math uh, to transfer it into weight to double check dripstick. Big hassle. Uh, the you can read the logbook. It explains it. Right. So they have that conversation. While they're having that conversation, a technician goes on to double check and make sure the FQIS system is actually still broken, right? He doesn't want to be doing all of this. Sometimes electronics fix themselves when you turn them on and turn them back off, right? So he uh, flips it on, runs a test. While he's running the test, it's failing. It's not, it's not working. Um, but while he's in the midst of running the test, uh, the fuel truck actually arrives and he can see that this thing isn't working. So he's going to have to do the dripstick thing. We're going to have to do math. Okay. So <laughs> he leaves the cockpit without flipping the FQIS off again. But then Bob okay. gets and Bob and Maurice, the pilots get into the cockpit and the second FQIS system is blank which is what they expected because they believe it's off. In fact, it is just broken and has failed a test. That's why it's blank. What mm. are you going to do? So that miscommunication just happens, right? Uh, so now it's time to do the drip, drip stick test. So they stick the drip stick in. They pull it out. Uh, Bob is thinking about this whole situation. It is a big fat hassle. Have to do the math. Have to do the dripstick. Have to have like additional people around to do that. It takes up more more time, more manpower. So he says, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll take enough fuel to go 
all the way to Edmonton, right? Instead of taking just enough fuel to go to Ottawa and then refueling at Ottawa and doing all this over again, forget it. We'll take enough to go all the way to Edmonton. Okay, so how much fuel is that, Captain Bob? And he says, let's do the math. And he gets the little sheet, like the formula sheet that they uh, have, that the refueler gives him, right? Because it's standard across all Air Canada planes, right? So he does the math. Uh, convert centimeters into liters into kilograms, right? Tells them I need 23,300 kilograms of fuel. But the 767 is the only plane in Air Canada's fleet that uses kilograms. So the universal fuel-like formula sheet doesn't convert it into kilograms it converts it into pounds oh no and the fuelers are using the universal sheet so when he asks for twenty three thousand pounds of fuel they give him twenty three thousand pounds of fuel now, for friends who have not been blessed with the knowledge of what a pound is, a pound is less <laughs> than half as heavy as a kilo. So he needs 23,000 kilos, but he gets 9,250 kilos. Right. Less than half. But nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> So our nice lad, the, you know, the fueling guys fuel up the plane with exactly what you asked for, sir. 23,000 pounds of fuel. And then he God. goes in and he writes down, yep, we have 23,000 kilos of fuel on board. No. Okay. And they finish all that. They take off. They land in Ottawa, no problem. Ottawa's not far from Montreal at all. What is that, a 40-minute flight maybe? You know, it's nothing, right? right? Yeah. So they uh, land in Ottawa. They do the dripstick test, and they do have the amount of fuel that they expected to have. And they had already decided that that was enough fuel to go to Edmonton. So no fuel was added. So... (laughs) In Ottawa, uh, they settle up quickly. People get off, people get on. And Air Canada Flight 143 takes off with 69 people on board, headed to Edmonton. Oh, boy. Yeah. So our boys are flying way up, uh, 42,000 feet, gliding overhead, no problems. The plane is working fine. Nothing is wrong with the plane except for the little fuel gauge problem, right? Uh, and suddenly, out of nowhere, they get all like, wah, wah, and the, uh, the left side of the plane, the uh, fuel pump says low pressure, low fuel pressure. And they go like, ugh, the fuel system, so annoying. They think that it must be the fuel pump itself that's not working. Well, a 767, born in 1983, is state-of-the-art. It doesn't need the pump 
to uh, push fuel into the engine when they're in level flight. So as long as the pumps are working when they take off, it's actually not a big deal if the fuel pump fails, right? Because it has a gravity system that will keep feeding uh, fuel into the engine when they're in level flight. So, okay, fine. So they just flip the pump off because it's telling them there's low fuel pressure. And then like literally two seconds later, the right side, same thing, low fuel pressure. And they go like, oh, that's weird, right? So uh, they don't know what's going on exactly. They don't know why that's happening. Um, they have enough fuel. They flip off the fuel pump on the right side of the plane and think like, mm, it's weird. Don't know what's going on. Maybe we'll divert, right? Like, and they start to look around what, you know, we'll have somebody look at it, what airports are around. Uh, at this point, they're fairly close to Winnipeg like 100 miles away from Winnipeg, not too bad. So they call air traffic control and they're like, you know, we got this kind of weird stuff going, um, you know, the the fuel pump. Uh, we flipped off both the fuel pumps. Like they told them what they had done. They told them the, the readings they had gotten, the alarms they had gotten and what they had done about it and said they wanted to come and divert to get it checked out. Air traffic control is like, yeah, no problem. You can come to Winnipeg. Um, and then the the left engine f- cuts out because it's starved of fuel. Ugh. And they go, oh, okay. So they tell air traffic control, oh, like our one of our engines actually just went out. So we're going to run the uh, checklist for landing with a single engine. No problem for this modern aircraft. Air traffic control says, like, okie dokie, uh, you know, how many people you have on board. And uh, while they're trying to have that conversation, the right engine sputters out and dies. Jeez. Because they have completely run out of fuel. Oh, my gosh. Just like And they have no idea. They have no (laughs) idea. So all of a sudden, the plane is silent. The panel flips off, off. They're looking at nothing on their panel except the most basic possible readings right? because it's a fully electrical system. And they have like a handful of little things that are uh, run by a battery. Um, but almost everything goes blank. Now on a 767, the uh, electrical systems um, are completely controlled by the engines but uh, except for small battery systems but the steering is all hydraulic and you know what that means we got baby belly propelli to the rescue so yes. little, the uh the ram turbine thing right which baby belly propelli pops down from the bottom and gives them hydraulics but does not power their electrical systems like it does on other planes so that's the utility of baby belly propelli on this aircraft it um allows them to steer which is pretty important um but it does not give them back their electrical uh, panel, which the plane is basically all electrical. So they have extremely minimal data just like that. All at once, the plane is silent, the panel is blank, and they're gliding. They tell air traffic control, hey, uh, <laughs> we have no engines. 
this possibility had never, ever, ever been planned for by Air Canada or Boeing mm. with their 767s. So they had zero training in any capacity for double for landing with double engine failure. And there is not a checklist for it. So they are Ooh. 100% on their own. Uh, okay, so positive side, uh, our boy Bob, the captain, is an experienced glider pilot, which is good because the plane is a glider. Okay, so Here we go. Uh, he is flying the plane. He's in control of it. So Maurice, the first officer, starts to do the math. How, how what's our... Um, glide ratio how soon are we going to touch down wherever we are how soon is this green is this plane going to hit the ground so he does the math he realizes they have a what's a, a 12 to 1 glide ratio which for reference um a regular glider would average like 60 to 1 that means that for every um 12 feet they go forward they go one foot down so that means that they are uh they don't have a lot of time that's what it comes out to they do the math yeah. they are they ask how far they are from winnipeg they're not going to make it to winnipeg okay so we don't have a lot of time here <laughs> they uh, have to figure something out right because the plane they're already at thirty-five thousand feet within just a couple minutes like they need to figure this out now they tell the cabin to get ready for an emergency landing and uh maurice okay maurice actually was in the rcaf the royal canadian air force and Believe yeah. it or not. Oh, my gosh. Do you know where we are? We're close to Gimli. And I actually served at the uh, the base, the the air base at Gimli. And he says, can we go there? And uh, air traffic control is like, I don't know anything about that, but it's not, is it, it's a runway. Yes, it's a runway. So maybe that's the place <laughs> to go. And he says, how far are we from it? And he says, you're this far. And they're like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can make that. We can actually make that. Uh, the RCAF Airborne Air Force Base in uh, Gimli uh, is closed, but they're like, okay, but it's not like they buried the runway, right? So we'll just go there. We'll just head in that direction because we, the plane's going to be on the ground somewhere. And right. there's probably a runway there and we can make it to Ugh. there. So that's it. That's all the thinking we're going to do about this. That's all the right. thinking we can where, do about this. Where's so, Sergey when you need him? Exactly. A, an abandoned runway. <laughs> Bingo, right? So they turn toward Gimli, right? Toward this air force, this abandoned air force base, they assume, right? So they turn toward that. They uh, are trying to again they're, they're, it's all math this whole episode is math right so they're trying to figure out okay we're going this fast uh we're going down this fast we're going forward this fast we're going to be on the ground at this moment this is where our glide slope is going to touch us down which is um past actually Gimli right it's past that air force base which means that we have to slow the plane down in order to actually successfully be able to touch down and we need to slow down anyway because once we touch down we need the plane to stop right so they drop the landing gear right away right to try to create more um drag and slow the plane down uh they drop the landing gear and 
they get the little light ding that it clicked in to gear, right? That it's, it's actually clicked in, right? Mm. So they keep going forward and they're going way too fast. So they're going to overshoot the runway and they're going to be going too fast. Like they're going to crash. They're not going to land. They're going to crash. They need to slow the plane down more. Uh, And our boy, Bob is an experienced uh, glider pilot. Um, and he needs the spirit of Carlos to come and help him guide him through this moment. But uh, it's 1983. So Carlos is 23 and that story is still Damn. five years away. <laughs> so Damn. he needs Carlos to reach through the future or whatever. He needs the spirit of a 23 year old boy <laughs> to come guide him through this moment. So uh, he needs to do, remember Carlos did the side slip. Okay. So yeah. what Bob needs to do is a forward slip, which is the, the terrifying scary version of that where what he needs to do is he needs the plane to keep they're lined up with the runway right but he needs the plane to keep going in that direction but he needs to make it less aerodynamic he needs to make it he needs to create more resistance and more drag so what he needs to do is do what's called a forward slip which is done by crossing the controls so what he's going to do is he's going to turn the rudder one way and the ailerons the opposite way so Mm. the two ways that a a pilot would make a plane turn that normally you would use together he needs to use them against one another and what that does is it's going to turn like the plane is going to keep going forward but the body of the plane is going to twist right so this Mm -hmm. is scary stuff right Right. and no one so not only has no one on earth ever done this in a huge 767 bob has actually never done this in a glider (laughs) he just knows about it from gliding but he's never actually (laughs) done it but this is his moment baby so he crosses the controls i cannot imagine how like this is the moment the pilot like the like the crew and the passengers right they know that the plane is descending and they know that they've been told to prepare for an emergency landing and now the and the plane is silent right some of them have to notice that the engines aren't functioning there's not gonna be any electricity so all the lights would have cut off uh but now the plane like twists so the nose goes one way the tail goes the other way it's really really hard to keep the uh, wings level it's really hard to keep the plane from like spinning right because you are you're twisting it in the air and trying to keep it steady and twisted and going forward so whatever he throws the rudders one way throws the ailerons the other way tries really hard to keep the plane steady they're coming in close the plane is slowing down which means that it's sinking faster which means that they're getting closer and closer to the runway they're coming up on the runway they can see it and oh my gosh so guys uh when they closed that air force base they sold it to like a motocross company and oh my gosh they're having so it's like a drag racing strip for like like souped up cars and uh go-karts and stuff right so and they're having their like fun weekend because it's the middle of the summer and they're having like a camping weekend at the at the motocross track or whatever um so there are people they can see that there's a ton of like like tents and stuff all around right um thank 
God, there's no more racing going on right at this moment. But the track has it's been or the the runway has been converted into a, like a go kart track, right? But there is no time. We are landing, so right. uh, the people cannot hear the plane because it's so quiet it's totally silent so most of the people do not even realize that a plane is coming at all but okay the runway looks empty and whatever we're landing this is happening right so they they come up and right as they're about to land bob makes eye contact with these two little boys who are riding their bikes oh, on the runway. No. And he sees like the terror in their faces and they turn away from him and try to like race their bikes in the opposite direction, like away from them, like they're going to outrun the plane. No. And there's nothing he can do. And he thinks, I am not going to kill these kids. But oh my again, God. all of that probably happens in half a second and Bam, the back, the rear gear touches down, the nose gear touches down and immediately collapses. I had never locked into place. It had never locked into place. The nose of the plane slams into the ground and the whole plane is still going super fast and it just keeps like scraping and running forward, right? So we can see these little boys ahead of them like trying to pedal away as fast as they can and the plane is obviously catching up to them, but it's scraping, 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 scraping against the bottom. Uh, They can't really control control it in any meaningful way at this point because the steering is is already limited they're scraping scraping they can start to smell smoke and oh my gosh the plane comes to a stop oh the little boys pedal away thank god they stopped and they smell smoke and they start to get up they order an evacuation thank god pretty easy to evacuate when you don't have to turn the engines off because the engines already turn themselves off and people all the people who were watching this right you're at like a camping day you're camping like with your family in the short friggin gimli canadian summer and all of a sudden a plane just crashes onto your go-kart track but they're there for go-kart racing so they all have fire extinguishers so all of the people like in the crowd there's no there's no ems this isn't an airport anymore right but all the people like grab their air their like fire extinguishers and start to run toward the nose of the plane because it has started to like like start to catch fire right so all of the passengers and the pilots who are on the plane run to the back right they run uphill to the back of the plane they the crew obviously professionals always have all like opened up all of the doors and let the uh, slides go down but because the plane is like nose down tail up the the slides don't actually touch the ground in the back because it's too high but like whatever we're getting off this plane so people just like catapult themselves off just like slide down and up off the bottom the people put out the fire (laughs) with their fire extinguishers like by hand yes and everybody lives everybody lives I thought for sure those little boys on the bike were goners. Oh, this story would be so much worse if it was all that. And then the like, oh and then you gosh. killed two little kids. Oh my gosh. But no, the little boys. Thank God. Oh, the little boys got Everyone's away. Everyone's fine. Everybody's fine. 
He fucking landed Everyone's it. fine. Landed it. The spirit of Carlos reached <laughs> through the future, through time and space. Maybe he's the original Carlos and his <sighs> spirit. Maybe. I feel like Carlos, I don't like to say There's it, only but one I think Carlos. Carlos was probably raised using metric, but... <laughs> Right. I don't know. When did South America go metric? I can't keep up. Shit. But like, no, I just everybody lived and the the plane lived, of course. Those are we love it when the plane lives. The plane it. flew for twenty-five more years because it was Perf. a newborn baby when we met yeah. it in this story. And it's sitting in the desert, in the Mojave Desert right now with a bunch of its kin. So if Let's anybody has the hookup, I want it guys. Let's go. Please, if you're the person with that hookup, please, I want Let to us go to know. that airplane graveyard so bad. But yeah, everybody lives. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> there was a little bit of blame bandied about um, <laughs> because it was a math <laughs> error that caused this. Right, and it was like a lot right. of little stuff, right? A lot of little stuff. Like the the fuelers only had one sheet, which had always been universal until now when you got a plane for no good reason uses metric right and you had a perfectly good system that you've been using for hundreds of years we're gonna get this is i love it i love it yes rain down metric. terror on casey's hate for metric i just I just think someone has to defend freedom units, the imperial system, <laughs> the whatever. Last, Brian, what is there, my two own countries hus- total. Yeah, I think it's what is it? Us in El Salvador or something? I don't think it's. I don't think it's a big group anymore. But, but Brian mm. was. I'm gonna have to cut this if I finish the story. Brian uses metric. <laughs> He's listening to this. No, <laughs> Brian is team yeah. metric. Brian's team metric. Of course, he Brian's tries team to metric. Say, ah, why? Because he's. European roots. <laughs> it comes from Europe. It, it's it the imperial system. <laughs> All right, you're not wrong about that. You're not fucking wrong. Classic Ugh. Europe. You Classic. do something, and then later you decide it's not a good idea anymore. But if America doesn't catch up right away, then you're like, you guys are dumb. You made this same mistake for a long time, didn't you, buddy? It's fine. Yes. Most of it's uh. indefensible. <laughs> but metric is is. <laughs> Most of the mistakes are indefensible, but pounds are not indefensible. Stone is <laughs> right. indefensible. Nine percent of you are British. Tell me what stone are before you mock me for using imperial units. But fine. how many stone uh, this, of fuel is this? It's fine. This is amazing. This is incredible. <sighs> I love you. And I love you so much. I love that was amazing. Story. Wow, so what a great story. So glad I finally got we to tell it. We needed that story today. Like. Oof. There was something in your spirit and knew today's not, Today we're not ready for this story day. yet. We weren't. We weren't ready. Oh. No. Now and we I couldn't, are. Ex- the math, I was really caught up on the math. That's why I couldn't tell it last <laughs> yeah. time. Because I was trying to explain like the formula. Like I was mm. actually trying to explain the formula for some reason. You can look the formula <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, look it up. <laughs> I look set it myself up. free from that need <laughs> to explain yeah, it. We are no Wikipedia. <laughs> No, certainly not. No, but yeah, this is so it's called the Gimli Glider. That's what this story is usually referred to as. It's like a very, very, very famous story in, um, well, around the world in aviation, but definitely in Canada. Um, yeah, because it's amazing, right? It's an amazing story. And, um, My goodness. the pilots, 
back to, I guess, the idea of blame. So when they investigated, at first, when they investigated, they thought, like, oh, it there's a fuel leak, right? That would be the most obvious assumption, right? Right. There's a fuel leak. And so they... They when they got the plane, okay, so the plane had seventeen gallons of fuel still in it, which for <laughs> reference is like your car having five yeah. tablespoons, friggin' two milliliters or who knows, but five oh, tablespoons <laughs> of fuel. Oh damn. Yeah. So so they got it and they're like, oh, like there's no fuel. How like okay? So when they were checking it out, one of the like little tidbits or whatever was, you know, the the um, CTSB or whatever the Canadian Transportation Authority or whatever. When they were looking into it, the actual guy who had to like look at the system and try to see if there was a leak, they actually told him we'll climb into the fuel tank to see if you see anything because we can't find anything so climb in there and see if you see anything and the guy is like actually pretty claustrophobic and he did not love that idea but he's a professional and so he did it and there's no leak and so they like you know they went backwards and they asked everybody so like show me again how you did this math and like so when they figured out what had happened again there was there was like blame to go around, but each individual mistake was like pretty small. So there was things like, okay, so historically this would have been the flight engineer's job. And right. this, you, you built a plane that you didn't make a spot for a flight engineer in it. And you didn't. So like, remember the air transit flight that, um, that had to, had ran out of fuel and had to emergency land in the Azores. So yes. do you remember that the first officer on that plane was the one who was like, hey, like he kept doing the math to see if yeah. they were using the right amount of fuel. So Air Transit at that time had a different Canadian airline, go figure, <laughs> had right. uh, it was like clearly noted like it was the whose responsibility it was to keep chart, keep track rather of um, fuel consumption right Mm. was the first officer's job right because this had been the flight engineer's job and still was the flight engineer's job on other aircraft with flight engineers they had never when they removed the flight engineer they hadn't clearly denoted which remaining pilot was in charge of keeping track of fuel consumption which Yeah, which again, it's it's that it's little things, right? It's a lot of little things that added up to this big problem, right? And that, I mean, so I mean, in any event, (laughs) it is right. And in any event, like it's not like the pilots got fired; like they were very celebrated. They saved everybody on board. They, you know, they weren't fired or something horrible, you know. Um, Right. And nobody, there was like a handful of injuries from the actual act of evacuation, but nothing serious. It's, you know, like scrapes, scratches, twisted ankles, that kind of stuff. Right, right. But. Well, and it's just, it's like there's, there was like a lack of checks and balances. And 
right that's like that's what happens after plane crashes is that now there's a system to make sure that doesn't happen i'm sure right right exactly and i mean it, this is a really this story so i've heard about this story for a i mean a long long time because it's kind of a famous example of the conversion errors right things mm, that can mm-hmm. go wrong if you i think there's also um like a space disaster that happened because of like metric mm. to imperial conversions so um somebody out there can send that to me or correct me if i've totally misunderstood <laughs> that but there are a lot of those I don't know this it's a problem that happens right it's a real have right. you had like a conversion like error in your life like that stands out to you I know I have I don't know if I can think of one but I don't know I mean in terms of like driving a car we like that's fine like we you know are border kids so right like we know how to how to kind of do that and I mean it's come yeah. standard I guess on cars now um I don't know. Definitely with Canadian money for sure. Oh my God. Wait, no, I do have a a conversion story. So I was in my grandparents' basement and I found Mm. some pesos from Mexico, but it was before it was like from the time when before the economy crashed. And I think they were like, I don't know the exact story, so don't quote me on this, but there was something that happened with the currency that changed the value of like old dollar or old pesos. And oh. so I like looked up the current value of whatever this peso had said, and it was like, it was like six hundred dollars. So oh. I was like, uh, "Grandparents, can I have this?" They're like, "Yep." I was like, "Perf." Took it to the bank. The bank was like, "Wow, okay, cool, yeah, this shows up on our stuff too, six hundred bucks." And I was like, a, I was like a kid, so uh, yeah. my mom it's had to use her bank account right exactly and my mom had to like they had to you know give us the money like against her bank account so that if it bounced or whatever it would they would like have something to trace it to so it's not fake Mm -hmm. money Mm -hmm. uh we all did the conversion rate wrong for some reason and the bank (laughs) took six hundred dollars out of my mother's bank account no like months later months later and the money was gone, of course. I was a child. Money is right. nowhere to be found. No. Um, Do you remember what you bought so, with it? Oh, God, I don't. I, oh, I think I was like 12, so who knows? Like a bike who or knows? something? Right, yeah, probably. Yes, because I think my bike got stolen that year. <laughs> oh, I know uh, that story, too. That's a terrible yes. story. <laughs> That's, that is a terrible story. Um... But yeah, so I basically yeah. just got free 600 bucks because uh, I wasn't going to pay my mom briefly. back, obviously. Right. <laughs> so, How would you? You briefly right. I, got I mean, a the free bank made the mistake I mean, you did too. Get it. Right. Uh, it's just but, a conversion mistake. Sorry, mom. Uh, that's that's crazy. <laughs> I, I definitely, won in that scenario. <laughs> you did. You're the only one who won. <laughs> yeah, the only. But... Yeah, I guess the bank didn't lose because they insist on never losing. At right, any literally. Cost, but, like, but oh my gosh, the the converting money is like, um, no one has ever accused me of being good at math, 
but I can convert money. Like if you tell me what the rate is for some reason, I can convert money like no problem. And yes, I don't know why can. this, I don't know why that is, but it's like the only form of math that I can do like very quickly yeah. in my head. And, but the, the issue with that is that people will, uh, like if you're traveling and stuff, right? If you're in an unfamiliar currency, other people will like give you the wrong amount of money all the time, right? right? Like oh, that yeah. happened in in Hungary. We um had, I don't remember what the circumstances were, but we were with people and like we were going to go get food or something. And they were like, oh, here's what they thought was, I think that they were giving me this, I think it was in Hungary and it was like, I think they gave me a 20,000 foreign bill when they meant to give me a 2,000 foreign bill. So mm. they thought, let's let's just say, I don't know what foreign are anymore. I have no, I haven't checked it in years, right? But let's say that it's 20 to $200. Mm-hmm. And I was just like looking at it and I was like, I don't think it's going to cost this much. And they were just like, no, right. I think it will. And they were like, how much? They're like, that's like no money. Everything's so cheap here. And I'm like, no, I think this is still, this is still money actually. I don't know if you right. know this. This is actually still cash money. Right? Hard and, cash. And, yeah. And like, it's much more than I think you realize, but. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but it's really easy to do that, right? It's really yeah. easy to like be, especially in places that have currency where like the the numbers are really high. You know, like a hundred mm-hmm. yen is a dollar. Right. So like right, yeah. two hundred thousand yen is still a lot of money, but it's not like what it sounds like. But, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I don't oh, know. Goodness. All I know is that when somebody tells me they weigh six stone, I'm like that. I could never know what that meant. I could never never. know. There's never a way to know. Oh, Brian's over here measuring flour in grams. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We love it. I can't deal. It's fine. It's fine. But so, oh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have a fact today? No, please. I do. I want to hear It's a short little quick one. Um, Did you know? That the Cookie Monster's name is Sid. What? (laughs) What? Yep. I guess so. I don't know the history. No idea why. Sid? Just something I learned. Sid. S-I-D. The actual... Good old Sid. Not the man who was, like, powering Cookie Monster. No. The blue man himself. man himself. Cookie Cookie Sid Monster. Monster. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) yep that's uh i i don't accept (laughs) i mean oscar the grouch gets a real name yeah Yeah. ernie bird who's the yellow bird big bird yeah what's big bird big bird doesn't have a regular name cookie monster big bird right i don't know who's the guy who's the guy who made those again jim henson yeah jim henson is it Jim Henson? No, no, no. Is it not Jim Sesame Henson? Street. No. Yeah, Sesame Street? Ses- it's not Jim Henson. Did- I have no idea. I don't know. Either. I thought Jim Henson I did all... I thought the same person did, like, all the big <laughs> kind of scary monsters. Didn't he just, like, create the Muppet character? Like, not the Muppet, but, is like, Muppets, the puppet that are is Muppets. Muppets? And, are Muppets and Sesame Street not the same? I don't think so. Who invented Sesame Street? <laughs> 
Oh no, yeah. Somebody named Joanne Gons Pooney. All right. Well, God bless you, Joanne. Jim Henson. The first wait. Wait. What came first? Joined Sesame Street or he joined. He was on okay. staff, but he didn't make it. Okay. Okay. Not what I All thought. Right. <laughs> he is the guy. I mean, if you're making big scary puppets, he's right, the guy. Right. <laughs> but you love Muppet movies, yeah. though, I think. You and Brian I do. love... Oh, Muppet uh, Treasure Island. Nothing hits yeah. better than Muppet Treasure Island. That was... Uh, Brian and I used to watch that all the time. I almost think so that good. a thousand years ago, before you and I were, like, friend friends, I think we might have watched that together at Brian's house. I'm, oh, I'm sure we have. Yeah. It's very special. It's a very special I have, like, movie. these very spotty memories. So, like, for... So, like, <laughs> window into our lives. So, yeah. Mariah... You are yeah. my husband's childhood best friend. Yes. Is that the right way of wording it? Yes. That Did I get is that correct. right? Yeah. yeah. So you grew up with my now husband, right? And yes. so there was like a period, like I have like these like very early memories of like seeing you at stuff, right? Yeah. But we didn't actually get to know each other until until we moved in together. <laughs> That's when we <laughs> got like, to know let's each take other. The next step. <laughs> let's hello uh let's Hi. exchange phone numbers and move in together within Come, the same this weekend. weekend sound good great perfect yeah yep. uh, it, it worked out man it worked, worked out, out so well thank god thank I'm god i'm so thankful for that uh, almost 10 years later so much so much to thank god for in this episode yes <laughs> so, so much <laughs> so much and thank god for but, sid the cookie monster I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Cookie Monster, he, is, he has a positive attitude toward enjoying food, and that's something yeah. we all need. Yes. Enjoy those cookies, Cookie Monster. So good. I really didn't, because Cookie Monster doesn't have teeth, right? He's just like a big, soft, so. gumming mouth. Yeah. It really bothered me because you know how I am <laughs> about like the texture, the dry on yep. dry. Like people who yep. like rub Dorito Oof. powder off with a napkin that's dry. Oof. It's just dry, dry fingers with dry <laughs> dust, dry napkin. This should all get deleted. I'm so sorry. If you're, no, if you're out I there No, I want it in there. This, Leave it in. Oh, it's so apologies good. in advance but the that dry <laughs> like the dry cookies on cookie monster's dry mouth really bothered me <laughs> it still bothers me to think about it it's dry fine. on dry so, on dry dry on dry <laughs> dry on dry so horrible but uh darling beautiful friends we love every one of you um yeah we, we do we needed to lighten the mood which it won't always be like this, but we're so happy that it was this week. Um, yeah. There, uh, I hope you listened to the beginning of this. Uh, we talked about the giveaway we're doing for the vampire uh, game. Uh, definitely be sure to check that out. Uh, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok. You can find the vampire game at the dash vampire.com. Yes, check it out. Oh, we haven't done. Oh, 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 please. I hope you're still listening to this. Uh, if you are, uh, Poland. So we've never done this. We have a lot of people listening in Poland. Did we, Mariah, you and I have talked about we, this, but we haven't done yes. the, we haven't done the backyard thing in a while. And we haven't, I, we, we need to start it up no, again. And, 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 
I'm so curious because like we haven't heard from anybody who listens to us in Poland, um, which isn't like a, I'm not trying to like shame you. That's not the goal. It's just, I would like to know you, you, you a little shaming. bit, right? Cause we just, no, I'm not trying to. No, it's just. Like, I personally I, am shaming. Mariah is shaming you. Casey is not shaming you. No, no. So whichever, whichever, whatever works for you, buddy. Like if you yes, need shame, if you don't need exactly. shame, whatever works. Need, Either way, just that. email us. Yeah. So if you can send us a picture of your backyard and by that, it really means any lovely spot around town um and because we're just curious i'm so fascinated to know who's listening in poland yeah i've never been to poland me either and i'm and i'm not polish are you polish at all i am not no no so you and i are the only two people from buffalo who are not polish (laughs) i know i I always felt so left out i know so let us in polish listeners let us in seriously because we're from we're from a town Buffalo is the yeah. only place in America that celebrates Dingus Day. So it's yeah, that like Polish. we know what Dingus Day is. Yeah. It's a I day mean, off sure from it's... school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> literally. It's literally a real holiday in Buffalo. And yeah. only in Buffalo. Nowhere else only. in America. No. no. But, uh, <laughs> so send us a picture of your Dingus Day celebrations. A little yes. off season for that. But Yeah. Yeah. But all right. So we hope you heard that, Polish listeners, and (laughs) we love all y'all. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Love you, Mariah. Love you, Casey. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so, so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us because you noticed some uh, something that needs correcting or because you want to say hi, you can find us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, please do check out the vampire game. Uh, you can find it online at the dash vampire.com be sure to check it out on kickstarter starting on october 31st halloween Uh, and again if you are able to make any contribution to that kickstarter uh, please let us know if you're able to share it on any social media please let us know Uh, if you decide to go for it and uh, donate the $19 in order to get your very own copy. Be sure to let us know. Uh, And any contribution, any way that you participate in helping us spread the word about this really, really, really genuinely cool, genuinely fun game uh, will be one entry to win something. So either a copy of the game or if you purchase the game uh, through the Kickstarter campaign, then we will give you something else and hopefully you can help us decide what that is by letting us know what you would like um and we'll figure it out so thank you again you're the best 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 people anyone could ask to know and uh we'll see you next week thanks for listening bye